Welcome back, everybody. This is Caleb Loomis, your favorite co-host of Speaking Llama, back at you for another episode. And we have a very special episode this week. Uh, Alex, do you know why this week is a special episode? I do know why. Um, do, do you want me to spoil it for everyone or would you like to, to give I mean, it, it is the last episode that I record before I get married. So that's the special. True. Okay. Are you talking about something else? I, I don't understand. Uh, I, yes. I'm, I'm not going to say it's more special, but I would say it rivals in specialty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think, I think you are referring to our special guest, our friend and colleague over from uh, a fellow Survivor reality show podcast, Stacy Apia Apoku. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Again, welcome. We are so glad and happy to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. I mean, rivaling with someone's wedding, that's great. Give me a confidence boost. <laughs> um, but I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I love this podcast, so I'm excited. Well, Stacey, uh, I will let you share a little bit about what you're doing over on your podcast in a little bit. But to kind of get the ball rolling for us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your survivor journey, how you became a fan, right? All the deets. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing because it made me think of Terry Deets when you said that. We just watched Cambodia not long ago. Well, so. I do love me some Terry Deets. So. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, I'm Stacy. Um, I'm a counselor. I live in Dallas, Texas, um, and I love Survivor. So um, I now I'm a co-host of Escaping Reality podcast with three of my friends who also love Survivor. But um, for me, I got into it um, season one. I remember watching that. I think I was in like, gosh, I think I was eight. So whatever grade that is. Um, but I remember just watching it and just loving the concept of it, thinking it was just such a cool show. Um, I don't think I watched many right after that. I think I took quite a break until probably like high school and college time and then got back into it, needed some kind of, you know, stress relief from college. So I was like, I'm going to start watching this. Um, and one of my co-hosts on Escaping Reality podcast um, is someone I met in college. So we would talk about it and watch it. Um, and then now in quarantine, you know, it has been like <laughs> my go-to show I've watched a lot. I've watched 33 seasons at this point. Um, so yeah, I love Survivor. I know a lot of people, when I tell them I watch it, they kind of ask like, is that still on? I didn't know that was still on. And I'm always like, it, it is still on and it's much better than most trash TV <laughs> that has you know started in the last 20 years. So I'm a big Survivor fan. Oh, Stacey, I would argue that it is premier television, not just better than most trash TV, <laughs> but a, one of the best TV shows out there, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are so happy to have you on the show today. Uh, happy to have a fellow Texan here with us uh, experiencing this unusual winter weather uh, that we don't normally have. I know that Alex is originally from Indiana, so that's you know somewhere up north, but uh, you're used to this kind of stuff, Alex, but not, not me, and I'm assuming not me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, it's sad. Like I should be more used to it. I was born in Canada, so I really should be used to it. Okay. Um, but I, my family lives in Alabama now and I've been in Texas for five years. So I kind of, I don't have my scraper anymore for my car. So, you know, <laughs> have we, have we talked about this? What, 
Where's your family in Alabama? No, I remember one of you saying that you were from Alabama or had lived there. Um, my family lives in Tuscaloosa. So we've been there for a, a long time since I was like 12. So I see. Yes, I'm Montgomery native over here. Uh, okay. I'm an Auburn fan. So oh, I was afraid to ask honestly. that land up in the north. <laughs> I mean, I just have to leave now, honestly. <laughs> All right. That, totally that's a wrap. Show's over. <laughs> No, I, one of my best friends from college is an Auburn fan. So I've been working on acceptance and I mean, we're the national champs right now. So it's, I can accept anyone right now. So that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> when you're at the pinnacle, right? It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stacey, you shared us, you shared with us about your survivor journey. Now, if you will share with us, who are some of your favorite castaways, right? Maybe if you could put together a part of a dream alliance, a dream team, who would they be? Um, I have a lot of favorites. I think, yeah, if I was going to make like a dream alliance or just like people I'd love to see played together, whether they're against each other or working together. Um, two actually that we're going to talk about today. So, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. So I might just wait, but the two we're talking about today would be there. Um, Suri would definitely be there. Um, Sandra would be there. She's my favorite winner, I would say. Um, who else? I think also I've big, I've kind of developed an appreciation for Sierra um, as we've watched some of the later seasons um, from Blood vs. Water. So she would be there. Um, who else? I think like Wendell, Missy. I'm just a fan of them like in real life. So they could be there too. Um, but yeah, I would say those would be some of my top players. Solid picks all the way around. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and Stacey, uh, our kind of our last question before we jump into the meat of our episode today to talk about those two Survivor players. Uh, share it with our listeners. What are you doing over at Escaping Reality? What is that podcast all about? Sure. Okay, so Escaping Reality, it was developed probably like many podcasts um, at, towards the start of um, quarantine and all this chaos. Um, but we are a podcast that puts out usually, well, now we're putting out one episode a week um, that is a recap of a season. Um, and so we cover a whole season in just one episode in like an hour. We, we like to talk, so sometimes an hour and a half. Um, but we started with season one. We're all the way, um, I think right now we have season 31 out, So, but we've watched a few more. Um, and yeah, we just, we talk about kind of, you know, our thoughts on the season We're you know, it's four different hosts. So we all have different kind of experience with reality television. Um, and we will be discussing other reality um, competition shows. We just started with Survivor and that's a big one <laughs> to start with. Um, but we're getting close to the end. So thinking about what show we might um, recap next. Um, but yeah, we just, we like to chat. We like to um, discuss Survivor and reality TV and we have a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So That's so awesome. And we had uh, one of your co-hosts, Anna, on the podcast a couple months ago and we were actually guests on your podcast a couple months ago too. And uh, we've said it then and we'll say it again. We love Escaping Reality. It's it's such a great kind of succinct recap of the seasons and it's really good for me nostalgia especially the older seasons because I don't want to spend 14-15 hours of my time watching it and so I enjoy listening to the recap of you all watching 14 to 15 hours of each season <laughs> each week yeah. um, and it's great and it, you get you do a good job of great getting into the characters the social gameplay but also like 
beyond the game and kind of the the societal impact of of what's happening in each season so i i love the the episode and definitely if our listeners haven't checked you out they definitely should thank you yeah i think that's one thing that has been fun about it is to like watch you know everything that's happened in the past 20 years but with our lens of 2021 or 2020 um and just kind of yeah having maybe more of a critical lens than we would have had at the time so Mm -hmm. thanks for listening (laughs) of course all right so we are going to jump right in to our uh episode today um and as stacy referenced we have two incredible survivor players i think all three of us are big fans of these two players um, and so today, uh, we've got the Fantasy Final Tribal Council of Yul Kwan and Kim Spradlin-Wolf, uh, two of the most dominant strategic players uh, of all time, and some of our favorites. So uh, as always, before we get started into things, we will be looking at the edited TV show characters um, and kind of what the edit showed us. Uh, we don't know them in real life. We want to know them in real life, but we don't. And so we can only uh, talk about what we've seen on our TVs. Uh, also, this is your friendly spoiler warning. Uh, we will be talking and spoiling seasons 13, 24, correct, and 40. So that would be uh, today's spoiler warning for you. Caleb, do you have the stats of these two players? Do I have the stats of it? Alex, are you telling me that you did not come prepared to talk about this podcast? I actually did come prepared today because you usually do the stats, but I was scared you wouldn't. So I have the stats for today. Uh, Yul Kwan uh, first showed up on our television screens. Caleb's laughing at me for season 13, uh, Survivor Cook Islands, uh, where he got first place uh, and then came back for season 40, Winners at War, where he got 14th place. And there's always an asterisk there because there was Edge of Extinction in season 40, um, as we know. And then Kim Spradlin um, first appeared on our television screens in season 24, Survivor One World, where she got first place, just like Yule, and then came back for Winners at War, just like Yule, uh, and got ninth place. So just five places better than Yule. And I think that will be a theme just a little bit better than Yule that we will see throughout our entire episode. Isn't that right, Caleb? I mean, we won't see that as a theme, but uh, we'll we'll see how this episode goes. Uh, But I am so excited to talk about both of these. They are, when you put them on paper, Alex, it it's really astounding, right? We have two first time, two two time players where their first seasons they were dominant throughout their season, and then they come back on Winners at War, and then they are hamstrung by the fact that there's like almost it's not twice as many, I'm over-exaggerating, but what feels like twice as many new school players as old school players, and they are, are, are down in the, I'm so mad at CBS for putting them in that situation because watching Kim Spradlin and Yul Kwan finally come back to our television screens only to get not do well. It's just so frustrating. So sad. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So for today's, for today's episode, kind of the introduction statements to these two players, uh, Stacy, we would actually love to hear your thoughts and kind of initial ideas, thoughts on these two players, how they stack up um, and just, yeah, your overall opinion about them. Okay. So I, I, like I said, these are two of my favorite players and definitely favorite winners. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of try to separate them in my mind for this. So um, with Yule on season um, 13, I mean, I just feel like he, it was, he was just so 
elegant, I would say, in how he played. Um, he just knew what he was doing. Like, I just don't think he was ever really like playing from behind, even though he was at a disadvantage at times, like when um, the mutiny happened and um, just when he was kind of put in unfortunate situations. Um, but I just feel like he always had a strategy in mind. So just, you know, watching him, I mean, he knew exactly what to say, even in um, like uh, tribal council, just he, I guess I would also describe him as calculated, but in a way that felt genuine, I guess. Um, so I thought it was great. Um, I also, I mean, he was good at, and I know we're going to talk about all three categories, but I feel like, you know, he was great, um, strategically, but also great in challenges. I would say, I don't have the stats for that, but I just feel like he was, he did pretty well, in, uh, challenges. Um, and then with Kim, I, I described Kim as putting on like a survivor clinic because I just feel like when you watch her season, she just did everything you should do <laughs> um, and just did it so well. And it didn't seem like it was a lot of effort. Um, I feel like she just made people really feel comfortable with her and trust her. Um, she was also good at challenges. Um, and I just, I feel like if I played with Kim, especially like sometimes I think about just like, what, you know, would I fall for these things or like, what would I do? And I just think she like cast a spell on everyone and I too would fall um, victim to it. So yeah, I just, I think they're both some of the best winners and especially to do it their first time. Cause I know I said Sandra's my favorite and she did win her first time, but I don't know. I think of her as my favorite because she won multiple times, but these two won once and still stand out in my mind. So for sure, for sure. Completely agree Two absolutely incredible winners. Uh, and yeah, I like that idea of, like Kim putting on survivor clinic. That's genius. <laughs> Cause I think you're right. It's uh, and I will, I've already told Caleb before we started, I will be saying Kim played a perfect game several times this episode. So um, that's just the first time. All right. Uh, well, we will dive into outwit outplay outlast. Uh, I'm going to get started uh, for Kim for outwit. As a reminder, this is both the social and strategic part of the game. So looking at Kim, um, you know, we have one world and day one, we have a great confessional from Kim where she, you know, they, they split into uh, a men's tribe and a women's tribe. She has a great confessional where she's like, this typically isn't my, like my go-to strategy is to have like, oh yeah, like woman power. Let's, let's all get uh, together. But she's like, but we're going to do it and we're going to make it great. Um, and so she got brought into a majority of her tribe, um, a group of five in a tribe of nine um, where she was obviously it'll make it past the first part of the game at the swap um, she had a very dominant tribe um, kind of mixed up the genders on the two tribes and they just continued to win and was able to create a new alliance uh, with sabrina and chelsea from her original alliance and michael jay and troyzan then at the merge here she is uh, and she has options and so she buys some time early on and convinces troyzan within her alliance to blindside jonas because again it's still this like men versus women type thing there were originally seven on her swap tribe versus five on the other swap tribe, but there were still, still six men and six women in the game. And so she was able to convince Troy Zan to take out uh, a man first. And then next was able to convince him again to take out one of their own Alliance members in Michael. So now there's only four guys left, still six women. And it was um, incredible to see her play Troy Zan, who is a great player like a fiddle. Um, and it was pretty incredible 
fast forward to the final six um, and she is talking with Alicia and she, Alicia is kind of the ringleader of a group of three with Tarzan and Christina. Uh, Kim is kind of the leader of an alliance with Sabrina and Chelsea and she convinces Alicia to take out Tarzan and kind of paints Tarzan as like the ringleader and like he's trying to play everyone and, and just completely convinces her to take out her own alliance member and so there's that theme of convincing other players who are good players to take out some of their closest alliance members uh, when that's really just best for Kim but she convinces them it's their best move um, and it's really she's just completely playing every single person she's with um, I'm convinced that her one world game had zero flaws in it especially in outwit um, one could argue uh, that her only flaw this season was like not taking a cat on a reward challenge uh, she decided to take Chelsea and Sabrina on a reward challenge after winning it and that really devastated cat who's also a member of her alliance uh, but I don't see that as a flaw just because literally that same episode she just votes cat out um, and, and that devastated her. It was a great blindside. We've talked about that, you know, in an earlier episode on our podcast, but at the end of the day, Kat still voted for Kim to win the game. So I don't see that as a flaw whatsoever. And then, uh, last, last point here for outwit with Kim, uh, winners at war. Uh, she was the only person to recognize Tony as the biggest threat and to try to get him out. And that was the downfall of her game. In winners at war uh she called it out she was trying to convince other people tried to convince sarah tried to convince everyone else and they just weren't seeing it um and these are not uh bad players these are incredible players uh that tony was playing like crazy that that season and so it was fun to see kim kind of be the one person to say hey look like no like he is the biggest threat we need to get him out and just no one listening so i think that's that's her highlight in uh winners at war um, in the outplay category. I mean, that's that's her highlight because she doesn't have much outwit in Winners at War, Alex. Let's be honest. We don't see a lot of outwit from her in Winners at War because we see a lot of Tony's outwit. Well, Alex, this is a show about what we see on the TV and that's our barometer for judging these. Who who would say that? Oh, literally, go, go back to our opening episode. I don't remember that. <laughs> Yeah, Alex, I agree with you. It's it's hard to knock Kim's game from One World at all because, I mean, she plays it really well. Uh, and it, you know, it helps when you have a other tribe that volunteers to go to tribal council for themselves um, in the men that, that season. Uh, I would argue that she doesn't play with a great caliber, overall caliber of players in that season. But, like, I've seen other winners play with similar like level of game by players and not do nearly as well or nearly as much as Kim does in her season. Right. She, true. she had, she played the hand that she was dealt and dominated with it. True. True. Stacey, what, what are your, your opinions on Kim's outwit game? Um, yeah, I mean, I do, I feel like she had, or I don't, I can't think of any mistakes she made. I mean, I know you brought up the the cat decision, um, but I don't know. I just feel like she thought through everything she was doing and she had very clear um, like conversations with people. So yeah, I would have to say, I think that she excelled in that category. So. 
Yeah, I think the like only thing I, I, I obviously I'm here arguing for Yule, so I'm gonna have to take say, say something about it. And what is a very um, difficult game to pick apart? It's it's really just that uh, for whatever reason she could have been undone in that season. And well, she should have been undone in that season during that reward challenge where you know it's the whole like here's the quiz about the tribe and everyone like say what you think about your other uh, other tribe members and there's like three questions two two or three questions in there that's like who is the best person ever who would you want to protect your life uh and they may as well have asked who should win survivor and all of those answers were kim 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 right that should have been the moment that everyone else is like uh let's get kim out even kim said like kim's the best player <laughs> <laughs> no which like Think of the boldness it takes to like understand that's what people are going to say. And then no one, no one does anything about it. <laughs> and I, 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 I might be jumping ahead, but I feel like Yule is the same way. I feel like Jeff, again, I might be jumping ahead, but Jeff says in some tribal councils, like you are just so strict, like, you know, exactly what you're doing. <laughs> and everyone sees that happen and they still let him stay. So they're, they're both great in that area. For sure. For sure. That's the perfect segue. So Caleb, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, Yule, I like, when I think about his outwit play and his play in general, I like to think about Yule as the um, likable mob boss. Uh, because if you look at his entire Cook Islands season, he takes out people left and right and they go home when he wants them to go home. Uh, but everyone still loves him. Right. It's this he's a likable guy. You understand. It definitely helps in the course of the season after the mutiny that happens where Jonathan Pinner and Candace go over to the other tribe. And there's just four people left on I2. Right. That's an easy uh, story to root for is the I2 four making it to the final four. But they made it to the final four because of Yule's social maneuvering. He plays an excellent game. He understands and plays a very good game socially in both of the seasons, both Cook Islands and Winners at War. He starts off by grabbing a solid number two, someone that he doesn't just trust, but knows that he can work with. And it's a Becky in Cook Islands and Sophie in Winners at War. And I think Becky gets a lot of flack at times for, uh, she kind of lives in Yule's shadow. But I, if you look at Sophie and Yule, and winners at war. I think that's probably more indicative of the relationship that Becky and Yule had on Cook Islands, that they were hand in hand making moves together. Yule just happened to be the one that got all the credit, which is not uncommon when it's a man versus man and woman alliance, which is unfortunate, but he has a solid two, goes in with them and works with them and trusting them to make maneuvers and decisions throughout the rest of the game. There's two point, two moments that I think define Yule's game in Cook Islands. The first one is when he flips Jonathan Pinner. If you haven't seen that season in a while, as a reminder, after the initial tribe swaps, Yule is in control. He builds a, an alliance with Jonathan Pinner and Candace in a, in a trop swipe, a lot trop tribe swapped alliance and in a uh, before an immunity challenge jeff gives both tribes the opportunity 
to go over to the other. All they had to do was like hold out a white rock or black or step off the mat. That's what it was. Candace steps off the mat at the last second and then Jonathan Pinner joins them. And the ironic thing about that is earlier in the season, another one of his tribe members that Yule gets voted off, uh, Cowboy, warns Yule that uh, all the, the white people are going to get together because they started off on a tribe together because that Cook Islands was started off as uh, racially divided tribes. And that's what happens, right? That Candace and Penner go over there. And rather than hold a grudge against Penner, they go into the, the merge with five and four in numbers. The I-24 are down, but Yule has the hidden immunity idol. And so rather than hold that grudge against Pen Penner, he takes them aside, tells his tribe, I think I can flip Penner. He's a logical guy, he'll work with this. Looks him in the eye, shows him the idol, and convinces Penner to flip with him, only to vote him out a couple votes later. It was a master class in playing the person in Survivor. He, in, in some ways, if I'm not to spoil anything, Penner does that later with a different Survivor castaway. Plays the person perfectly. The other piece, strategic piece, I think that I want to point out with Yule, is it becomes clear that Yule is the one getting a lot of the credit and a lot of the blame for these vote outs. So he starts pandering to the jury. Now he doesn't necessarily want to admit that in the final tribal council, but he's pandering to the jury. And his best thing was that he he votes off Penner, the guy that saved his I-24 alliance because Adam tells him, I will vote for you in the final tribal council if you vote Penner off before me. So that's what Yule does and, and Yule wins by one vote. And that is the deciding vote. And so, in terms of social maneuvering in the game, he doesn't have, there's no flaws. Similar to Kim's Outwit game, that there aren't any flaws in this game because he finds himself in holes that he didn't create, right? The, the, the mutiny isn't his fault, but he works his way out of it with his social gameplay. And I, I was going to say this for the Outlast portion, but Yule is nine for nine on vote outs in this season. So if we wanna talk about dominance socially and understanding where the game is, we have to talk about Yule. I will have to bring up his play at Winners at War. And this is where we, if we look at Kim and we look at Yule, they both dominate their seasons that they won. They don't, both don't do well in Winners at War, but I would argue that Kim never has as much control as Yule has early game of Winners at War. Yule and Sophie are driving the first part of that game. Now, when they have a tribe swap and they break off into three tribes, that is where he misplays. That is where he oversteps. He does a little bit too much with Wendell and gets himself voted out because of it. Again, I'm gonna go back and say, it's not fair that there were so many new school players that all knew one another and that were clearly wanting to work together as opposed to the old school player, like getting the old school players off. And so that didn't help him there. But at the, still though, he, he doesn't play Wendell the right way. And so that's his mistake. But even still, like, as I said it with Kim, she doesn't really ever have control in the game. Wendell, not Wendell, but Yule has control of that first uh, tribe very handily and was set up very well to go far in the game, had the tribe swap and had, had they just won an one immunity challenge. 
Yeah, Stacey, what, what do you think about uh, Ewell's outwit? Um, I mean, I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, yeah, I think the way, I kind of said this at the beginning, but I think the way that he like was clearly keeping the jury in mind, I feel like a lot of even winners don't always do that. Um, yeah, making that deal, which, you know, I think he made that deal like knowing, I mean, that was my plan anyway to get, Penner out or to keep you one more week but still just the way he like delivers the information or just the way he like made people feel so um comfortable I think is a strength but yeah I agree I feel like he I mean he had a great um outwit uh section of the game or he, he did well in that section so the only issue I have with you will come up in the next section related to his idol uh, but I, I mean, you have to give credit of being so tight with Becky um, as well. Like, I think that dynamic having a tight pair um, that were linked up from the very beginning and, and he stayed loyal to her and she stayed loyal to him. I think that's uh, can be underrated at times. Uh, a lot of times we don't see a pair from the very beginning go all the way um, to the end. So um, shout out to both of them for being able to do that. Uh, let's see, Caleb, go first with... Uh, Outplay. Yeah, as a reminder, Outplay is our talk about challenges and advantages in the game, which if listeners remember in our one of a recent podcast, Alex did claim that knowledge of and understand maneuvering around advantages was was an important facet and not just playing advantages. I use that for my own argument and acknowledge that I didn't believe that except for my own argument that episode okay that just as long as that's on record okay uh <laughs> sensing this is about to be used against you <laughs> that's what it sounds like that's what oh, usually it's, happens <laughs> it's always used against him um <laughs> you'll outplay uh it is easy to talk about yule's um out, outplay in comparisons to kim because kim is a dominant outplay character but yule also plays with a dominant outplay character on his first season. I did not remember this until I looked it up. Only one other player on Cook Islands wins individual immunity besides Ozzy, and that is Adam. Ozzy literally wins every single other one of them. Uh, and the funny thing about it is that Yule doesn't need uh, to win immunity. immunity. I think he actually probably sandbags a little bit. Uh, he throws a couple of those challenges because I think he knows that well, Ozzy's going to win. Except for that final challenge, I do think he tries to win that. But at the end of the day, Ozzy's just Ozzy and incredible at challenges. And so you can't really compete with that, where Kim was the Ozzy of, of her season. So, <laughs> But he does have 17 total challenge wins. Uh, and I, I think most of those are, are team challenges because he doesn't have any individual challenges. But his understanding of challenges, I think, is one of his best assets to his tribe because he's not just a physical threat, but he's also that mental threat. Uh, it is known that he hacks a challenge in Cook Islands. They're doing this like boat challenge right after the I-24, uh, had, the mutiny had happened, and it's the I-24, and they have to drop these like cannonballs out of a boat. But they're supposed to like line up the boat with uh, a marker that's on a glass on the bottom of the boat and on the bottom of the ocean. And he just opens up the like where you drop the ball and just like looks at it rather than using the, the marker and they like crush the other team because he figures that out. 
So in terms of threat and beast, that mental game that he plays with it is really outstanding. So again, challenges, he's a good player. He holds his own, doesn't win a lot of immunities because he doesn't have a lot of, like, because he plays with one of the best immunity challenge players of all time. But also he, I want to point out, we just talked about he was the last boot before the merge at Winners at War. Well, because of that, he had zero opportunity to collect fire tokens. And so if you remember from Winners at War, while you were on the edge of extinction, you got the opportunity to collect fire tokens that you could use to buy advantages for the play it, the get back in challenge. Well, you'll almost get back in despite having zero advantages. And that's going toe to toe with another great challenge competitor in Tyson. So, right, he may not have a lot of wins underneath his belt individually, but that doesn't mean he's a scrub in challenges. And the last thing I'll address is the advantages. Uh, he doesn't really have any that he has to maneuver around in Winners at War. I, I can't remember. Does he know about Sophie's idol? I don't think he does. I'm not sure. I, 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 don't, I don't recall that he does, but he has his own idol in Cook Islands. And some people in this Zoom call would say that his idol was unfair because it is a super idol, uh, an idol that could be played after the votes were read. Well, th yes, that is true that compared to new idols, it's definitely different, but not different from what had been used before now. And as we'll talk about this in Outlast later, he's the first person to get to the end of the game with an idol in his pocket. So, right, Terry Dietz, the season beforehand, got voted out with the, like, even though he had the idol for most of the season. And that could have been true for Yule too. Like, they, they could have targeted him with that super idol. The reason he doesn't get targeted with the super idol because at one point in the uh, auction ch or challenge, he just kind of tells everyone, yep, I have the idol. And that could have been it. They could have all said, hey, if we don't get Yule out, uh, he'll make it to the end. It's likely the next to the end, he, he might win. We need to band together collectively to get him out. But no one ever does that in the same way that Kim at that challenge where it's like Kim is the best, no one ever goes after Kim. No one was going to go after Yule, even with that super idol. Yes, does it help that he has that? For sure. Is it an unfair advantage? No, because it's the element of the game. It is what is a known entity of the game, and people understand and have to work around what they knew was already in the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't like that, the super, super idols. I think it just, it's like a get out of jail free card um, where really you, you get fully voted out and then you get to pick who you want to go home because people weren't splitting the votes back then. Um, even though Cowboy uh, that season did, he was the first person to come up with the idea of splitting the vote to get the idol out. Uh, but I think he helped share it to Yule and Yule was the one with the idol. So, uh, right, and, and Yule smartly use. plays it by voting Cowboy out so that plan doesn't <laughs> ever get enacted or shared with anybody else. Right, right. Um, yeah, Stacey, what do you think about uh, Yule's game for uh, outplay? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, getting to the end without having to use your idol, I do think that's impressive. Um, I had kind of forgotten, yeah, he was with Ozzy, so 
I mean, he wasn't going to win a lot of challenges, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that even I think with his idol, yeah, he told like some people did know he had the idol, right? And like that, I do respect that. Like, I usually I do not encourage telling anyone you have an idol. That's like one of my rules. But if you are going to do that and almost use it as like it, like it has its own power, you then don't actually have to play it. It just like has its own power that people know you have it. Um, I do respect that. So I think he did, you know, what he could um, in the outplay category, considering, you know, he wasn't going to win all the challenges, but he still was able to, you know, um, maneuver things. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I'm with you on um, not sharing uh, information about idols, but uh, he, especially with Pinner, if, if I remember that correctly, I think he really played it well um, for that. All right. Uh, to look at Kim for outplay, you know, having having an idol uh, in your pocket, not having to use it, uh, and then winning the game, uh, a super idol in your pocket and not having to use it is definitely impressive. Uh, what I think is more impressive is finding an idol without a clue and keeping it in your pocket the entire time, never having to play it and then winning the game. And that's exactly what Kim did in Survivor One World. Um, so she did find a hidden immunity idol that season, never had to play it. Uh, I believe um, that she only told Chelsea in her alliance, but I cannot remember if she told other people later on. Uh, but she was the first winner to find an idol without a clue. Um, so it's a fun trivia fact for you uh, today. Uh, and let's see here, she overall, between her two seasons, had 20 challenge wins. Uh, so just a few more than Yule. Um, she did have 11 tribal wins and nine individual wins. Um, and she is kind of considered a challenge beast, especially for her first season, because um, as I mentioned, that final six, you know, it's kind of two groups of three, and she's obviously the biggest target at that point, as we've mentioned, um, you know, with the, with the uh, challenge of everyone voting, you know, who would I give a million dollars to? It's Kim. Uh, and Kim saying herself as well. Uh, she won the last, she won four of the last five individual immunity challenges that season. Um, and obviously she had an idol, the, the other tribal council, uh, even though she didn't need to play it. So she was pretty untouchable um, for the last third of the entire game, especially as the biggest target in the game, um, pretty much the entire season. Um, for Winners at War, she also found an idol. Um, she found it very early on. It was one of those where you have to give half of it away for like a day to someone else. They have to give it back to make it a full idol. Uh, she did give it to Sophie, which uh, watching that season, Caleb can attest, I um, was so sad because Sophie has been a confessional. She's like, why would you give me this? I'm, I'm against you. I'm trying to vote you out. <laughs> but shout out to Sophie. She never used it against Kim. Uh, and so I'm very thankful for that. Um, but what's great is looking at that season, obviously in season 40, uh, we have, if you get caught looking for an idol, there's a huge target on your back. And we saw that with Denise and Adam uh, on the other tribe that season. Uh, well, Kim found an idol and really had no negative implications for finding it, uh, which really is impressive in today's uh, modern survivor, especially having to tell an enemy um, that she didn't realize was an enemy about the idol. Uh, Kim also in Winners at War had an individual immunity challenge with lots of great uh, survivor players that season. And um, post-merge, there were two like team reward challenges and she actually won both of them. So uh, I think that's that's great. Um, obviously, like like Caleb, like you said, it's uh, 
Kim is the Aussie of the season, um, but that's why I think she's better than Yule in outplay uh, because she had a really well-rounded game in both advantages and in challenges. Um, but what what do you all think? Yeah, I mean, I like that uh, description of like the Aussie of her season. And, you know, or if you think of like the Joe of the season, um, you know, it's interesting because usually if you are such a challenge beast, I mean, that is a huge target unless you can keep winning and never, you know, like fall, you know, never have a moment of vulnerability. Um, so I do think that's impressive that she was able to do that and not really, you know, it didn't cause any issues for her. Um, I do think in season 40, I, again, you might have to refresh my memory, but I think she did jump out of one uh, challenge for peanut butter. And that, that I do think is a down, was a bad move, was a downfall. I think she agrees. So that, you know, it was a moment of weakness. I mean, it's peanut butter, you know, but, um, but I mean, I think that aside, I do think she was very dominant in challenges. So for sure. And I strategically didn't mention that. <laughs> I have forgotten about that. Thanks. Again. You know, who's never quit a challenge. You will. Well, he didn't have individual no, uh, I, One of my favorite moments of One World, it, it's either in a confessional or I heard it in an interview afterwards where she like at one point, like she went in not wanting to be a challenge beast because like knew the tar- the heat that that would get. But then she has a confessional or an interview. I don't remember exactly where it is. Where she's like, yeah, I realized that I could win all of them. So I just decided to win all, all the rest of them. And it's like, oh, okay, Kim, <laughs> you're awesome and you're amazing. And I like, right. So there's nothing wrong with being a challenge beast, but it's like you said, Stacey, she does it in such a way that is, doesn't impact her threat level at all, which I think speaks to her outwit game too. For sure. Yeah. We see that uh, kind of merging of the two um, in this where we didn't see that in Ewell's game, just as a quick reminder. Um, Again, he didn't need to. She's dominated socially, but it's fine. It's fine. I have, I have points later on. You, you take your jabs out. Take your jabs. Uh, I take every cheap shot I can. Um, all right. So moving into outlast, it's our last category. And it kind of encompasses everything else. It's getting to the end. It's making it to the end. And obviously these two both won their first season. So they both outlasted to the very end. Um, and for Kim, you know, obviously, you could argue any of these three categories is her strongest category that outwit she played a perfect social game in out in one world uh, where she was able to manipulate and have incredible alliances socially and strategically. You could also say she was a challenge beast winning um, 20 challenges, nine individual ones, like we just talked about. Uh, But I think outlast is also one of her strongest categories. And so I want to look more in depth at winners at war uh, for this category. And so she was the first target, one of the first targets of her tribe uh, because uh, Yule actually uh, pegged Tyson and Amber and Kim to be in the poker players Alliance along with uh, Boston Rob. And that's why Amber was targeted in that. Um, that was incorrect. They did play poker once, uh, but there's no alliance. So she kind of got stuck in this group of three on the bottom. And, and historically, we had only known her to be a player who knows how to play from the top. Um, but she very quickly adapted and learned how to play from the bottom. Like the edit, it's kind of like poking fun at her a little bit, like that first episode of like not knowing what to do. Uh, but clearly, as you see the, the, the game go on, 
Caleb, you're right. She didn't have a lot of power that season, but she learned how to play from the bottom and, and make it to the top half of the game. Um, a lot of players, especially who have, you know, one great season and come back for another season, they can't adapt. They're either used to being on top or they're used to being on the bottom. She's able to really go back and forth between the two uh, with her two seasons. Um, part of that poker player alliance too, she did outlast both Tyson and Amber. Um, she, you know, she's in the bottom three, but within that bottom alliance, she outlasted them both. And like I said, Yule was the one who put the target on her, uh, but she didn't go home and she outlasted Yule. And so I think that's just a fun uh, little jab at Yule as we see them kind of head to head. He took a shot at her and she um, was able to outlast him overall. And then also like, I think winners at war, um, there were a lot of sketchy votes there, especially at the swap tribes. Um, so we see when it goes down to three tribes, um, that season we had Sandra go home, we had Rob go home, and we had Parvati go home at the, the swap tribe. But Kim was able to outlast and kind of make it through those swap tribes um, where Yule wasn't. Yule did go home with a swap tribe, and he's kind of in that group of Rob, Sandra, and Parvati. Uh, and I just think it's interesting that both Yule and Kim, when they went into swap tribes, uh, they were both in the majority um, from their previous tribe. So both of them had three members of their original tribe on those swap tribes compared to the two from the other tribe. So Kim made it through, made it to the merge. Yule did not. Um, and then in one world, I mean, I, I think it's obvious that she outlasted, but referring back to what I mentioned earlier, she was the obvious threat, the obvious target, and she just kept going, kept going, and was really never at risk um, for going home. And we can say the same thing about Yule, and that's why I think these two are so great. It's because, they, again, they're both the obvious threat to win the season. Even they can see it, but they were never at risk. So that's what I've got for Kim's Outlast game. Uh, just to be clear, Alex, yes, well, Kim wasn't the first target. Amber and Tyson were the first targets. But Yule does paint this beautiful picture, like you often do, uh, Alex, of something that's not real, but you're going to make the argument anyway, and people believe it, uh, of that poker player alliance. But the reason Kim doesn't go home after getting targeted is because Yule specifically wants to work with Kim. And if you remember that tribal council, Amber gets voted home, and Yule, like, right, this is the social player that he is, puts his hand on Kim's shoulder. And that's the moment it's like, okay, Yule wants her to work with him. So he put, he pushed her on the outs so that she would need somebody to bring her in. And they, and they do work, which is why I, which is why I never like understood the Sophie, like poking a jab at Kim because Yule clearly wanted to work with Kim. Sophie, I, I think you knew that. Uh, I think you're just probably making a, a sound bite just because. Stacey, any thoughts on this category for um, I think, I mean, I was trying to think back to season 40 and I feel like Kim did make it one of the furthest of the old school, right? I, think, I don't know if she was the last or I guess, I, I don't know if, Den I forget if Denise is old school or not, but They're all kind of there. <laughs> it depends. On, I think it depends on what you like consider old school, right? Is it a mm -hmm. lot of consider it 20 and back, um, which Kim would not have fallen in that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But either way, I mean, she, yeah, she did make it to the merge. She did mm -hmm. make it further than um, Yule. And 
um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a good category to compare them like in season 40 since they're both there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just to go with the facts. So I think you had, you made a good argument. <laughs> so. I'll take that. <laughs> you know, Stacey, Alex does do a great job of bringing up statistics and facts and, but what's important is statistics within context. Uh, that's my favorite phrase for Alex uh, because he hates it. Because you know, Caleb just says that he, several episodes Caleb has gone, well, if we look at the stats, obviously I would lose this argument, but <laughs> it's like, you can't do that. That's no. In terms of Outlast, you know, you, you did say that Kim was able to adapt. Uh, in Winners at War, I, Yule does adapt, uh, but I think he adapts too much. I think it, it's like his, like trying to figure out what to do with fire tokens is what is his downfall. Because uh, he like, when they decide that they're going to vote out Wendell, he starts to try to think, how can we get Wendell's fire tokens from him? And that's when Nick and Michelle are like, what, what are you doing? Stop it. Stop playing so hard. Uh, and, and so then they go with Wendell after that fact, rather than Yule. And you're right, Alex, he doesn't make it out of there. Uh, and that's, that's to the credit of uh, Kim. Like, she, she does a good job. Uh, but I would also argue that in terms of uh, the power players on that first tribe, uh, on Kim's tribe at the at that swap, were Tony and Sandra, uh, not Kim. Kim wasn't in, in that realm. Uh, and the power players on Yule's tribe were Parvati and Yule, right? So it he would have been he would have been a big in terms of target at some point, depending on how far they went in that tribe. Because, as I said earlier, he was controlling the first part of the game. Uh, and so, you know, and, and you can see that either way in terms of a good or a bad thing. But some of the things I wanted to talk about with Yule uh, in terms of his outlast, Alex, because I can't deny that, te- that statistically, Kim makes it farther than Yule does. Uh, but in terms of his legacy that he's bringing to Survivor, which Kim has does so in her own right, He's the first Asian American winner. Uh, he is the, and what I also love about a story about Yule is that he actually, when he found out about the racial tribe divisions, he almost doesn't play. Like he's so like appalled by it, but then decides that no, he like, there needs to be someone like him represent, as representation uh, because he says in his final tribal, like he didn't have uh, people that looked like him on TV growing up. And so wanted that, wanted to be that person uh, he only ever gets eight votes against him throughout his entire Survivor season. He is the first to win with an immunity idol. He is also the first man to reach final tribal council without ever winning immunity. He brings a lot of great legacy to the show in terms of how he outlasted. You know, Kim plays a perfect game, both outwit and outplay in many ways. I, I said earlier that Yule doesn't need to play that perfect game and outplay or can't play that perfect game because he has freaking Ozzy on there. And I said this earlier, he goes nine for nine on vote outs and he's three for four on vote outs and winners at war. So in terms of his ability to make sure that he is surviving, right? Kim does, should have a target painted on her back, but she doesn't have to do anything to not have that target painted on her back. Person, except be a, like the genuinely nice person that she is. Yule gets a target painted on his back and still 
makes it to the end because of all of his maneuvering and his ability to outlast. So in terms of their first two seasons, Yule does more to outlast than Kim does. But Kim's also like, I think this puts it in juxtaposition of her outplay game uh, because she won immunities or where Yule didn't have to. So he needed to make other moves to outlast rather than Kim's outplay. And so that's why I love talking about both of these is because it's, it's that idea of like, what do you value more? But there's, there's that last. Thoughts, Stacey? Um, I don't think I have much more I would add to you all. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, again, getting to the end without, you know, like having a lot of, or being a physical threat necessarily, thanks to Ozzy, I think that does show a lot. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to give away like who I'm leaning towards now, but I think this section has kind of helped me determine who I'm leaning towards a little bit. So, well, let's wait to our closing arguments here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so actually for closing arguments, Stacey, we would love you to kind of give your assessment of overall assessment. Oh, then I, I do need to make one more point, Alex. I forgot we okay. weren't necessarily. Caleb, you didn't read my text ahead of time. I'm sorry. Well, this is my most important point in terms of differentiate, differentiating between the two. Okay, make your point. It's the caliber of player in which Kim plays with versus the caliber of player that Yule plays with on their first seasons. Yule, they both play with four other eventual players in, in seasons, like returning players. Combined, in terms of like contestants on a season's played, Yule's season of Cook Islands, other than him, have represent 16 separate games. Kim's represent eight separate games. In terms of the caliber of player that Survivor brings back to be good players in Aussie, in, uh, in Parvati, one of the greatest Survivor players to ever play. And whatever you want to say about Candace, she does, she gets to close to the end in, in Heroes versus Villains. And in one of Penner's seasons, he gets medevaced. Right, that he plays against stronger survivor players than Kim does. And that's not a knock necessarily against Kim. It's just a highlight of Yule. Caleb, my question is, what does that have to do with Yule and Kim? Uh, it has to do with in terms of comparing their games, right? If, the, if, if they're going to, they are so even, so, so across the board, I think this is what pushes Yule over the top just in terms of they both have two dominant games. Well, arguably, Yule's game is more impressive because of the players that he plays against. Okay. I I can in some ways see that point, but I, I just don't like the idea of like, that's not in their control of their game. Like Kim didn't choose who she played against. Yule didn't choose who he played against. So right. to, to I, no. add that as, as like a big argument is difficult for me. Well, Alex, it's, it is like, I, like I said, it's not a knock against Kim's game. It's just that it's highlighting like, hey, Yule played in his season. This is the hand that he was dealt, and this is what he did with it, in the same way that this is the hand that Kim has been dealt, and this is what she did with it. And because of that, like, it's a more impressive – like, would you say that the Tony's win in Winners at War is more impressive than his win in Kagiyan, right? He can't control who, who he plays against. So, like – Right. I'm, it, I'm not. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying that argument hurts my stance here this episode. So 
I'm, I'm sure. And that's why, that's it. why I'm making the argument, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, Stacy, do you have some like overall thoughts hearing all these arguments, thinking about these players, obviously they're very close. Um, Mm -hmm. Overall thoughts and and who you think, if you could choose who you think would be the winner of this fantasy final tribal council. Okay. This is a hard one. And I'm, I'm looking over my notes. I was taking notes while you both were talking. I mean, I think my, you know, takeaways are that Both of them were great strategic players. Both of them were also great socially. I think think we could say they are some of the best social players that we've seen. Um, I think, you know, I, it wasn't, it hadn't been brought to my attention that Kim won way, I mean, she won a ton of um, individual immunities that Yule did not. Um, I think, you know, we have to point that out. Um, but then, I mean, also looking at season 40 and seeing that that was a time they both played in the same season. So they had the same players there with them. Um, and to know that Kim got further, I mean, of course, part of it's luck, part of it is just how things shake out, but, um, that does say something as well. Um, I don't, you know, honestly, I just think they both have a lot of the same strengths and just a lot of the same, um, like approach to the game. And I, I am drawn to their approach because I think it's, to me, it's not, it's, uh, well, I don't know how I would say this, but I think it's probably harder to play the way they play, you know? Um, so all that being said, if I had to lean towards someone, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, it's hard. I think, I think I'm leaning towards Kim. And I think part of it too, I will say is that I think, and our, so Escaping Reality, we had a recent episode on like hot takes, we're just like things that we, we believe that maybe other people would argue against. And this was not mine, but I do think overall, it's probably harder for women to win the game of Survivor in general. So Kim playing the way she did and getting further the second time than Yule, being a woman, I am going to give her, you know, some uh, respect for that. So I think I'm leaning towards Kim. Fantastic. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. But that, that's also a really great point that like these two players played such similar games. Um, we have to look at some of the differences between them and one is, you know, man versus woman. And um, I, I completely agree with that. So that's, that's a great point. Caleb, how do you yeah, feel? What I, what I loved in your final uh, statement there, Stacey, is that you didn't make a decision. That was very diplomatic of you. Uh, you are well on your way to playing the game Survivor in real life. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, all these seasons I've watched, I'm trying to pick up some, some skills, you know, so, but also I'm just a very indecisive person. So I probably should have told you that from the start. <laughs> so we, we completely understand that if you've ever seen Caleb and I try to figure out where to go for dinner sometime, it, it's an adventure. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode. Um, Stacy, thank you again for coming on. Um, for our listeners, uh, where can they hear you on Escaping Reality? All, all the things. Yeah. So, yes, you can listen to our podcast. Um, the, we have a lot of episodes already out, but the kind of um, new releases are usually going to be on Wednesdays. Um, so, it's Escaping Reality Podcast. Um, you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
Um, and then our, um, we're on social media. So our Instagram is escaping reality. I believe I should probably look it up and make sure that's right. I'm pretty sure it's escaping reality, um, pod, escaping reality pod. Um, and then on Twitter, it's ESC reality pod. Um, so we like to, you know, kind of connect with followers that way too, through social media. Um, and yeah, we're, like I said, getting close to the end of survivor. So if, uh, if people have ideas of what they would like to hear us talk about next, um, that would be great too. Um, That's awesome. We are excited for y'all to get through all 40 seasons. So close. Uh, yeah. Caleb, any, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just uh, remember to stay warm outside uh, if you're in Texas because I don't have to drive on uh, ice. So after the store later, this will be an adventure. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.